Listener Production. Poetry has the power to move us in ways that nothing else can. It can transport us to other worlds, give voice to our deepest emotions and help us make sense of the mysteries of life. For me, poetry is not just a form of expression, it's a way of being in the world, a way of seeing the beauty and the pain, the light and the dark, and finding meaning in it all. I'm Sarah Grimberg, and this is my series, Words With Meaning. In this six-minute episode, I want to share with you my love for poetry by reading a single poem with its author where we explore the meaning, stories and the universal truths that are expressed through this exquisite language. Today on the podcast, we have poet and theologian Podrick Otuma, whose poetry is born from the depth of his own spiritual odyssey, where he seamlessly blends the echoes of his own religious Catholic heritage with a profound embrace of humanity. Podrick Otuma, The Facts of Life. That you were born and you will die. That you will sometimes love enough and sometimes not. That you will lie, if only to yourself. That you will get tired. That you will learn most from the situations you did not choose. That there will be some things that move you more than you can say. That you will live. That you must be loved. That you will avoid questions most urgently in need of your attention that you began as the fusion of a sperm and an egg of two people who once were strangers and may well still be. That life isn't fair, that life is sometimes good and sometimes even better than good, that life is often not so good, that life is real and if you can survive it, well, survive it well, with love and art and meaning given where meaning's scarce that you will learn to live with regret, that you will learn to live with respect, that the structures that constrain you may not be permanently constraining, that you will probably be okay, that you must accept change before you die, but you'll die anyway, so you might as well live, and you might as well love. You might as well love. You might as well love. Oh, it's beautiful. What made you write that? I saw the phrase facts of life written um, in a book somewhere uh, and it just struck me because it was in an unexpected list of book titles. Um, and in, in so much conflict resolution, what happens when you get parties to a conflict is you're trying to initially establish the facts, what happened, you know, and facts and perceptions. Mm. And are you disagreeing about the same thing? Often, you know, you can spend a very long time on fact, perception, and are you disagreeing on the same thing? And if it's possible for some clarity to be brought out of there, sometimes people come away thinking, oh, actually, 
things have de-escalated yes. a bit because I've suddenly realised you're coming with this and I'm actually coming with this. We're disagreeing about different things and suddenly you can maybe see a way forward or it at least allows you to begin to see some things, issues begin to emerge. And so the question as to what's a fact, it comes up an enormous amount when you're a conflict resolution person. <laughs> you're constantly dealing with people saying, and the fact is here and the fact here and the fact, you know, all of that. So I was thinking, well, what are some facts that I'd want to put down? And now they're poetic, you know, you were born and you'll die. Some of them are obvious, you know, you'll ask questions most urgently in need of your attention. I, I don't know if that's always true. I, th- I think it probably is. But then things like you'll probably be okay. <laughs> I wanted to put some things in there, some murky facts, some complicated ones. I read this in a school in New York City a number of years ago and a 15-year-old at the end of it said, you repeated, you might as well love three times at the end. Who are you trying to convince? What a great question, my God. (laughs) And I said, "Um, maybe me. Yeah, I'm not sure. I've thought about her question ever since. It was magnificent. I saw her teacher actually just last year and I said to the teacher, um, I still think about her question. (laughs) That's beautiful. I think it's an exquisite poem and it's interesting to hear the reasoning behind, you know, why poets put poems together. Yeah, or where it landed from. Yeah. Yeah. And how that they can have such a strong resonance for the person listening as well. Yeah, yeah. This poem has gone much farther than I ever thought it would. I didn't think it was that strong a poem, to be honest. But it's the one that I get messages from all the time, from people saying we read it at a funeral, or we read it at a wedding, or we read it at a dedication of life, or, you know, uh, turn to it in this period of time. That People have made it their own. It's lovely. It's very moving that people would do that. I think things land, and I've noticed this even with podcast episodes, is when they're relatable, (laughs) you know, and when someone can relate to what you're talking about, and that poem is full of that, that they feel that there's like an affinity there towards it. It pulls you in because you know that there are some lines in that poem, if not all of them, that will be your experience in life as well. Yeah. Hmm. It's a woman I met who came on a retreat that I ran and she was very, very ill. She was young, near the end of her life. And um, she loved this poem and she came, she told me she wanted to meet me before she died. And a number of months later, I got a message from her spouse saying that she had unfortunately died and could they read this at the funeral? I was like... Why are you asking me? Mm. Like, you can do what you want at the funeral. My God, you can change the poem. Anyway, but there was something about the quality of his letter telling, you know, I, I, so I wrote back to him and said, of course he can, God almighty. And um, do you want a cup of tea? Because there was something, he, he told me a bit about himself. And so he is a dear friend now. You know, we see Yay. each other regularly. Yeah, we praise her when we meet up and tea and cake late night in New York. Um, yeah, I love him. So uh, this poem has brought you together. Yeah, and and her, because she wanted, she had written that she wanted it read at her funeral. Mm. And it's, um, his has been a a lovely friendship. How nice is that? Yeah, it's beautiful. So. (laughs) That you were born and you will die. That you will sometimes love enough and sometimes not. That you will lie, if only to yourself that you will get tired, that you will learn most from the situations you did not choose, that there will be some things that move you more than you can say, that you will live, that you must be loved, that you will avoid questions most urgently in need of your attention, that you began as the fusion of a sperm and an egg of two people who once were strangers and may well still be, 
that life isn't fair, that life is sometimes good and sometimes even better than good, that life is often not so good, that life is real, and if you can survive it, well, survive it well, with love and art and meaning given where meaning's scarce, that you will learn to live with regret, that you will learn to live with respect, that the structures that constrain you may not be permanently constraining, that you will probably be okay, that you must accept change before you die, but you'll die anyway, so you might as well live, and you might as well love. You might as well love. You might as well love. You can find Podrick's work in his books Poetry Unbound, 50 Poems to Open Your World, published by Canongate, and his own collection of poems, Feed the Beast, which is published by Broken Sleep Books. Listener.